Okay. Wrong thing. Let's just hope my iPad doesn't fall. <laughs> All right. So episode three of the Jet Blast podcast, it's Nathan and Lee and Andy. And today we're going to talk about um, why compliance doesn't have to be complicated. And, you know, without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. So Lee, take it away. Okay. Well, I brought this topic up because it's something that drives me nuts all the time. And it's and it doesn't matter whether it's regulatory compliance, whether it's a um, maybe it's a, an accreditation compliance, whether it's a company compliance where you're writing your own processes, your manuals, um, you know, your own procedures. What is when you write yourself into a corner, when you create things that are so specific based on whatever the guidance, the rule, whatever it is. You write something in there that's so specific that you cannot conform. Or then I was just telling, you know, Nathan, we were looking at part 135 manual requirements. And I was looking under here for the maintenance manual. And when it's talking about your, your actual manual, what you, um, what you have to put in there, it actually says it must be easy to revise. Because even with all with everything that's in there, with all of the requirements, even in this one sentence shows that they understand that no operation is static. No operation is static. Everything has to be able to, to um, adjust, evolve, and change. And so your manuals, your processes, your procedures have to be able to do that as well. But if you write them in such a way that you are pigeonholing yourself going right into a corner saying I can only use X software I can only I can only answer to when you actually put a person's name in your manual don't put a person's name in your manual that's like guaranteeing that they're not going to be there much longer because the, and then who's going to approve whatever it is that needs to be approved and then it's going to take five years for you know the FAA to reapprove it because you've written something that's so complex that you can't comply with it and you don't have to. You know, it's the same thing um, with, we're, we're talking about safety. It's talking about safety, it's talking about quotes. Why would you put things in, in writing and say, I will, I must, I should, you know, all of those words that you put in there mm -hmm. comply with something that you know is not gonna be static. There are certain things that you need to do that you have to comply with that you do and you make sure that you word it in such a way and you write it in a way that you can evolve, change, and with and not have to be in caught somewhere. What if, you, what if you're somewhere like an AOG or there's a situation and now you've written something into your manuals that you can't comply with? Then what? Now you're stuck. Right. Now you're out of compliance. But you have to, I mean, you have to do whatever it is to get home, but you're not out of compliance because the aircraft is deemed unairworthy. You're not out of air comp compliance because it's not safe to operate. There's nothing along those lines. You're out of compliance because you wrote the wrong label down in your manual when you put a sticker in your book. Because you made yourself out of compliance, right? Because you I mean, made yourself with, out of compliance. We see that with custom codes, right? So as folks move into electronic record keeping and signature, right, and start using these maintenance tracking programs as the end all be all, which I'm a huge fan of for um, determining airworthiness and current aircraft status, we also put in custom codes for things, right? It might be a might be a tool in the hangar, 
Uh, and a lot of times we just attach that to the airplane. And and to your point, Lee, that's kind of, if you're live, living and dying by yellow, green, and red dots, um, you're kind of making a mistake, right? Because that um, report, I forget the name of it, but at the top of it, it might say that it's not airworthy, right? And and it is. Um, so it's it's just, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've had that very thing happen. And I think, you know, it's it's uh, compliance <clears throat> generally, and this is my opinion uh, just by myself, is that seems like every time we have something new come along in business aviation um, or um, something that's just new to, to a group, um, we try to overcomplicate the crap out of it, right? We, may, oh. we go about it the hardest way. We feel like we have to write all this stuff, right? We've got to <clears throat> go and buy all this stuff for it. And, and it's oftentimes a year, even a few months into it, we look back and go, oh, well, that was it, <laughs> right? But it's not our nature. No, it is not, and I will. You know what, I love you guys, and I sit there and I learn more listening, and just from your experiences, from what you do, and I admire it, but when you talk about being able to overcomplicate something that's very simple, yes, <laughs> you are absolutely right. And it's aviation, you know, it's like this whole culture that aviation's built on itself because you're regulated, mm -hmm. but you think that because you're regulated, that means it has to be overly complicated. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that at all. And, you know, and then because once you get too regulated, now you have too many, um, too much room for interpretation. And, mm -hmm. and then, so then you've, so now you've become, kind of passive and you're dependent on your inspector because what was it the inspector's prerogative your pip the primary inspector prerogative okay that's not the rule that's yeah. not the rule just because he says that's, right. that's what he likes now you have confined and you've reinforced bad habits by your inspector on something that's not regulatory mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you've written yourself into a corner again and now we i mean and then you even talk about your own company policies and you know um, like if you have an sms program what are you mm -hmm. doing to make sure that your SMS program is something that can actually be followed, maintained, and isn't a burden? And, you know, I mean, one of my customers, one of the things that he said was when he was adopting some new processes, and I love it, is when he was able to increase oversight but decrease the burden on the people. So when you're looking at what you're doing, are you able to do that? Increase your oversight, do what you need to do, but are you decreasing the burden or are you increasing the burden on the people around you or the people that have to actually execute? Mm. And think yeah. about, I mean, so those are the things that I think about when you're writing something, when you, you know, like we said, when you put in a sure. must somewhere or I will. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think, so just taking it out of a purely aviation context and putting it over into the kind of the business side of aviation, I think it even happens there, right? So, hmm. so I mean, you know, Andy, thinking about what you guys do, I mean, part of the challenge, especially like in a public company, right, because we've got to have all these levels of middle management, right? Um, sometimes a request for quote process, right, or just trying to get capital funds, right, is like so many layers of approval. And, and, and a lot of times, at least in my past life, I found that, you know, we're so damn slow as, a, as, an, as an enterprise, as a company, 
to get through all the layers that, as an example, we missed the opportunity a couple of times in my previous life when we were selling an airplane, right? Just mm -hmm. because it just took, there were, you know, everybody wants to be in on the conversation, right? As it goes all the way up to the board, you can't just go, at least in my previous life, we couldn't just go right there with a financial conversation, right? It had to go to uh, this person and then this person over here and had to go to her boss and her boss had to go to her boss and her boss had to go to the chairman and then the chief legal and then they all went to the, I mean, so do you guys, I mean, so what are your thoughts, Andy? I mean, what do, what do you think about complicating uh, compliance sometimes? Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's like the structure of MRO Insider, you know, all three yeah. employees, we got to go through so many layers to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, it's funny because I spend uh, probably weekly letting Craig and Perry know how autonomous they can be. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't yeah. care what you do, just have the company's best interests in our, you know, our goals and our processes in mind and our culture and go do it and just make it happen because you're going to waste time not doing it. But that's right. Yeah, we're, you know, as far as it, I guess, you know, from the position, we're in a weird, a weird position, I guess, because we will talk to some of the big, like you said, the publicly traded companies and it'll be, well, we have to use this. Uh, we can only use XYZ facility and then uh, this company for AOGs. But on, from where we're at as a third party, we hear the horror stories from XYZ company and we have these other shops that they don't know exist, you know, and it's like, man, they, it's just what they put in their manual and they can't change it. And, uh, you know, one of the best stories that we have is there's a big operator that uses us and they went AOG and previously in their manual, they had to use a Textron MSU truck. And so they waited around for days yep. and they ended days. up, they had one come in from three States away and charging them, you know, the travel yeah. time. And it's yes. like, Oh man. So they've since changed that policy. Of course. I, you know, yeah. I, I think but, what happens is, you know, in, in aviation, we decide that our flight operations manual or our, our SOPs or whatever are, are like biblical, like they can't be changed. Right. Like they're, words in red, you know, from on high. And, and that's just not the case. I, I remember to your point, Andy, we, we, um, my previous life, one of our policies was, uh, you know, I'll call them sacred cows. So one of our sacred cow policies was, um, that, um, we could only use factory authorized service centers, right? I, I mean, I knew it was in there, didn't really sweat it, you know, and, and as, as I assumed the role of director, we, um, we had an opportunity. We had airplanes out of warranty. We had a great um, opportunity to go to a, well, go to Westar to do some work. And um, um, somebody came to me and said, oh, you, you, we can't do that. What do you mean we can't do that? It's by far the best price. They're the most qualified for this particular chunk of work, and they can get us in. Um, the OEM still hasn't even given us a proposal, right? So I'm not going there. But, you know. Anyway, so somebody said, well, it's in the manual. Oh. I'm like, well, then change it. <laughs> and they're like, well, you can't. Well, why can't I? I'm the director. Change it. So I'll change it. Email it to me and I'll change it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, folks lose sight of, you know, especially at the flight department level, that some of this stuff 
it is is meant to be a living breathing thing right and as we yes. evolve the the manual's got to evolve and i think sometimes we forget right and that's how mm -hmm. people get caught but i think on the regulatory side my number one pet peeve is electronic signature and record keeping and people saying it can't be done um there you know there is an ac out there advisory circular which we all know is a means of complying with the rule not the only means um, and it's pretty good. Um, I, you know, I think it's, but it's not the only way. Um, and you know, there's, as long as you meet the intent of the rules, um, around record keeping and signatures and the like, uh, there's no reason you couldn't leverage technology, right? It's just like, um, the, the conversation now we're starting to see some stuff out of the FAA about, a second set of eyes, right? So that's yes. another one of those typical safety management system things. You got to have a second set of eyes on every maintenance task, right? Or whatever. It's a great best practice. So sometimes that drives you to a staffing conversation. You got to have more technicians or you got to have a pilot look at it and then have a technician inspect it later, or whatever. But you know, everybody's got an iPhone, right? And they can do a Zoom call like we're doing now or they can do Skype, FaceTime, whatever. Why can't you do that unless you're an air carrier, right? That that you'd have to have what the RII process or inspection process is written into your manual. Why couldn't you use it? You know, if you have a licensed technician doing the work, why can't you just use the technology to witness it, right? Again, it's your own self-inflicted thing. And if you had written something that was so let's take right now, for example, you know, you know, you're flying with skeleton, skeleton crews. If you can, you may not have a maintenance technician. You may not be able to find that specific technician, you know, in an AOG situation. There's all these variables that we haven't really thought about. But if you wrote yourself into a corner where you can't take advantage of like the FAA right now is allowing some of this virtual. Well, I don't want to say allowing because I mean, in, in reality, if you wanted to get into the, into it, they they always should have been, but they're they're more accepting of it overall because now they have to be. But what if you wrote yourself into a corner and now your manual is so complex that you can't even update your manual to take advantage of what it is, which now means you can't accomplish your mission. And right, and that's where that's where it's it gets into it. And you know, you talk about a previous life. I don't know how many how many times I used to tell one of my coworkers, they would say, well, you know, that's not, a, that's not what we do. And I'm like, why not? Well, you know, it says here in our manual, I'm like, we wrote the stupid manual. Don't just wrote it. Yeah, I told yeah, you it was yeah, stupid yeah, when you yeah. wrote it. You made it too complicated when we wrote it. Fix it. Yeah. Well, it's regulatory. No, no, no. Actually, what you're saying right now is not regulatory. Don't use the old fallback that Oh, it's regulatory. Oh, we can't do that. It's, yeah, it's not, so, it's not regulatory. <laughs> you know, the way to combat that, you know, the way to combat that. And, and, and I do this often. So again, one of the things I did that I knew nothing about was putting an airplane in China, right? It was Chinese registered. We had Chinese crew and everything. And oftentimes a management company in Asia would tell me, they'd say, oh, well, we can't do it that way here because that, that's against the CAAC rules. And I'd be like, oh, really? Huh. Well, could you just send that to me so I can learn? And, and I truly, in the first few times, meant it that way and soon quickly learned that that's the answer right there, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, if you can just send it to me, send me the reference so I can be smarter, 
So I've started using that now as a business owner, like from a tax perspective or a financial perspective or a whatever compliance perspective I've got to meet. Great. Well, I didn't know that. Could you send it to me? Because I'm a nerd and I like to read the real free text, right? I like the whole chapter and verse, not just an excerpt. So it's interestingly that you say that. I can't tell you how many times that I've used that exact strategy. So tell me where you found that in OSHA rules or in the FARs or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. I never get a reply. Well, and, and also there's a difference. There, there's a difference between best practices and regulatory compliance. Yes, there should be things that you should be doing probably as a best practice. But usually a best practice is a higher level than maybe the minimum requirement. So you should do certain things, you know, not to discount people who are going up, but you should always want to do better. But don't write it so high because you're wanting to say that you do things so high that you really can't comply. And especially in, you know, it's in, in like in a, like in a time where we have right now, you may be downsizing. You may not even have the position anymore that you said was the person that was going to write that, write that was going to actually authorize that. You know, you were talking about the purchasing structure, Andy, there might be three levels of those people gone. And now it's just sitting on a desk somewhere because nobody even knows it was there because they had so many different levels of approval. Right. You know, when you're doing a quality inspection, are you, you really, are you doing it just because you said you wanted to make it look overly complicated and show, kind of prove that you're worth in a way? Or are you doing something that's in the best interest of the best time utilization of your staff, your people, and their expertise? What are you, what, what is it written for? You know, what, it, what it, is it written for airworthiness, safety, and a way to complete the mission? Or is it written in a way to make sure that you know, this one person has job security because that's, it's so complicated, only Bill understands. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It, it, <clears throat> it's like office space where they're sitting there asking that guy, like, what? <laughs> trying to figure out what you do here. And, you know, why deal with people? Well, why can't so-and-so? I mean, it's the same crap. Every Probably not so much after COVID-19 because you can see that they're cleaning house mm. and they're getting rid of redundant things and, and they'll run leaner. But man, how much yeah. time, energy, and money they would save um to do that and it's weird because some people won't you know like like the bigger mros that we've dealt with they don't want to make a decision because they're at that like you know age where eh, it's just easier not to make yeah. weight so i'm just not mm -hmm. going to do it and then you have yeah. other ones like that that like you said lee they just the job security so they want to make it super complicated and yeah <laughs> it happens everywhere it happens with my my yeah. cousin had software design for accounting stuff and mm -hmm. uh lo and behold they wrote it in a code that only that developer could understand oh, you know, oh, oh no million dollar mistake yeah. you know so yeah. oh multi-million dollar mistake yeah. in some Same cases yeah. yeah it really is well, and so when you, yeah how do you how do you address that and you know it's yeah. Oh gosh, I lost my train of thought, Andy. See, look, I told you we needed to record. Well, you just gotta, so have so, brilliance. So, no, so we just got to keep it simple, stupid, right? So you got to have the kiss principle here. And, and I think, you know, again, like I said before, we tend to, at least in aviation, kind of overcomplicate it, right? And so safety is no different. And I think you, your point around this whole COVID thing is right. You know, one of our upcoming things we're going to talk about is, you know, and, and I think even next week, we're going to talk about this, you know, how COVID's impacted AOGs, and then later on, just the, the whole landscape, right, maybe workforce development related MROs. So 
couple of things to look forward to if y'all are listening. But um, I, I think, you know, in the whole, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I um, read uh, something from Jack Dorsey from Twitter the other day who said, we're never coming back to the office. And, and why would they, right? I mean, they'll need a few server technicians and, 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 a, and probably a face-to-face meeting space to fire people in. Um, but, you know, because that's sometimes you have to do it that way, right? You got to have the legal person there and everything else. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they'll docu-sign that too. But, but I, think he, I think his point, you know, a lot of people initially, he was pretty early out of the gate with that kind of scoff. But if you think about from a purely a business owner's perspective, all that overhead you can get rid of. And Andy, to your point, there's probably a lot of unnecessary layers, right? We see that in management companies today. Some of the biggest of the biggest management companies in our business and business aviation have all these layers, right? Because they got so big. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's like, we can always add a new process, but we never take one away. So Mm. I I, I once had somebody give me some coaching that said, if you add God rest his soul, but he said, if you add one new thing, you got to take two away. Right. Right. And he he was talking about our policy manual, because to your point, it's about culture. It's not about what's, you know, what a force compliance kind of thing. And one of the things I was talking about, you know, you talked about, um, you're talking about electronic record keeping, electronic signature, you know, with Andy, you're talking about like an electronic RFP, RFQ process. And, you know, what that does is it increases transparency. And when you're increasing transparency, you're able to, you know, it kind of goes back to that oversight without the additional burden, but now everybody knows what's going on. And when you're, when you're doing something like this, where, you know, let's, let's simplify compliance, let's increase transparency. And now we're actually creating a culture of empowerment. So let's empower our people to work together to maintain the highest levels of safety. Cause it is safety first, safety first, safety first, you know, and then our airworthiness and our compliance. But but with these tools, we can do these things that bring it together at the same time, simplifying compliance. Because when you overcomplicate it, now you're, you're doing things where you're going to introduce errors. And I mean, Nathan, you and I had this whole discussion on SMS yeah. when we were talking about, you know, you put things right. in place, but you make, you make the, reporting, the reporting function so cumbersome that people, even if they were willing to report, they don't report. Because the reporting, it takes them longer to report than just to go over and say, hey, Nathan, I had an incident. Here's my incident. Or, you know, pull it up on their phone. If they are, they do have the technology, if they have the tools that make it easy, compliance should be easy. It should be simple. It should be streamlined. Right. And And that enforces that culture. Yeah. And I've seen exactly that. We're like a risk assessment tool or a hazard reporting thing. Um, is, is so cumbersome, it actually increases risk, right? It actually right. has the negative effect because of exactly that. You know, people don't want to call their manager once the risk assessment score gets into a certain level. So I've, I've personally witnessed crews going back and changing their risk assessment, right? So, so they don't have to make that phone call. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's kind of like, you know, knowing what number you're trying, it's like accountants, right? I'll pick on them. Knowing you're trying to manage to a number, right? Um, rather than just let the numbers get you to a number, right? So um, I think 
you know, one of the classic examples is, you know, with these safety programs is, you know, as the standards get revised over time, and they do get better, right, I, in my opinion, um, I, I think that we'll see things like, for example, years ago, I told you all earlier an example of the toolbox, right? So there was a time when the standard body right at the time for safety came out and said, hey, um, you should have a tool control program. If you want to be level three, you got to have a tool control program. So the biggest of the big flight departments went out and solved that riddle in one of two ways. They either bought foam and, and spent hired somebody and spent hours shadowing everybody's toolboxes, or they went out and, and one-upped it and just wrote a big check to Snap-on, bought these fancy computerized toolboxes, taking pictures of drawers and stuff, and laser etched everything. And it's all great with very complicated software that didn't have an API to connect to anything else, right? It was this whole nother standalone 35, 40 minute deal that somebody had to manage. And, you know, I really, at the end of the day, all it said in the standard was you should have a tool control program. And the tool control program could be, we follow the, 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 task cards provided by the manufacturer, which the last step, and I've never seen one that doesn't have this, is the, in the follow-up section, it says, ensure that all tools and debris are free from the work area, right? Mm -hmm. That could be your tool control, right, that's recommended, but we automatically, I saw in the industry, we automatically jump to this very complicated, complex toolbox system, right? And Sure, that's great, and I think there's certain environments where that makes sense. A high-tempo MRO, a big charter yeah. operation where there's lots of people coming and going, but two mechanics in the back of Meacham Field in Fort Worth, you know, with an airplane flies 200 hours a year, I'm sorry, <laughs> that don't make any sense. That's right. that's not good use of somebody's money. <laughs> well, but also their time. So now you've put something yeah. in place that, something in place for these two mechanics that just, it. Once again, it increased the burden without adding the value. So did and you, you know overcomplicate it? And you know what will wind up happening when the stuff hits the fan and we've got to get it going and the toolbox software is not working or whatever? Somebody's going to go get their own stuff out of their car. Right? Oh, and, yeah. And we defeated the whole thing. <laughs> so, or go to the hangar next door. Yeah, they're going to find a way around it, right? Because they're going to find what you, a way because... to prop the door open, right? How many badge controlled doors do you see? where that somebody flips up the floor mat, right? Because they don't want to have to badge in and out. It's just kind of funny. People always work around. Well, because they, they don't see the value in it. And right. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the worst culprits of it. I, it, I'm very bad about this. If I don't see the value in like routine task, then it's really hard for me to go back and do it because I'm like, okay, I got 9 million other things to do, but you want me to do this because it's a requirement, but there's no value added to it. Nobody looks at it. I do it. Nobody ever does anything with it. I can't, what, there's no value. Let me do something that has value on it. But because this is something that was written down that we were supposed to comply with, you know, you're supposed to, I always got in trouble for not because I was like, this is mm. stupid, but you know, but I, I did it eventually. But I mean, but that's what it is. Does it add value to the operation? Does it increase safety? Is it going to actually impact the return on your investment? The re, you know, what is it? Expand market share, up revenue, decrease down time. You know, what is it going to do? One of those three things. 
with always, of course, safety in the front. Is it going to do, is it going to do one of those things? If it's not, mm. and it's not required, don't stick it in your manual and say you're going to make your people do something. That's right. That's uh. like Kent had a great example of steel-toed shoes. Yes, steel-toed oh, yeah, shoes a, are good. That's the best. <laughs> I mean, it is, but are they always required? Are they? Do you always need to wear a hard hat? <laughs> do you really? No. 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 Do you really? I mean, okay, well, I, I always wear glasses, but do I need to wear safety glasses all the time? You know, there's, there's certain things that, you know, for PPE right now is a big deal. Do you always need to do these things? Do you need to operate safely? Yes. But when you're evaluating the risk and you're looking at the entire package of what's going to happen and what the odds are, make a sound risk assessment. Don't just say, well, this happened in Timbuktu where the zebra came through the hangar and kicked the tire on the, I don't know, and something fell and broke. So now we have this place in Wichita. We have a rule in Wichita mm -hmm. for, in case that happens. What? Yep. Good grief. That's good. But it yep. happens all the time. You know, the shop that I worked at, uh, one of them, which will remain nameless, uh, where <laughs> somebody lowered lowered the scissor lift twice onto oh. one of the aft body strakes of a jet and mm -hmm. uh same person and there was nothing okay well jesus what's the procedure and so we found the procedure and okay well that's not working because he did it again and <laughs> so instead of getting rid of the employee then they're like all right i got an idea yeah, right so then it, and like a month later, I'm like, what is that wire hanging down? They said, oh, it's a, now, now somebody up in the top of the scissor lift has to have somebody at the bottom that it's all like a nuclear key. So they have to hold the button as well as the guy at the top. So they spent all this time wiring this thing in so that. Because you had a personnel it. problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it only happened to one person and now they got to tie up other people and now there's this cord swinging all over the place that yeah. oh, and now yeah. it's probably written into your manual was this a what was this a 145 or what was it andy yeah it's 145 okay so probably somebody probably wrote that into their safety manual because now For they're sure. being now they're doing what they're supposed to so now they have this completely bizarre thing that doesn't make any sense and now you have to comply with it. So now you have one guy standing there with his hand above his head, trying to touch something else, while the other guy is trying to comply with it, and he's not even the problem. Like Nathan said, it was a personnel issue. And it's a classic case of we mitigate one risk by inducing five others, right? And, yes. And, and just, just don't think it all the way through, right? And, mm -hmm. and guilty of that, you know, I think we all do that sometimes, we do. right? In our sure. personal lives. We'll, we'll, Something will happen. Hey, we should start doing this. And then there's unintended consequences, right? It's like when you ground your children. You well, ground yeah, your children and, and now I have to go to the grocery to... for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can't go to the grocery store. They have to drive themselves to school. And you're yeah. like, Andy, so you'll, you'll understand someday. <laughs> I know. Me and I totally get this. Yeah. I'm like, dang it. That was stupid. I'm the one who's playing the parts for this now. But by God, I got to comply because I told them that she's grounded. That's right. That's right. That's right. Dang it. You're back myself give me your phone. <laughs> yeah, give me your phone. Hey, could you look up and see when the uh, tractor <laughs> supply closing <laughs> foiled again? <laughs> exactly. You know, there's always something like that. You always have to turn yeah. around. But I guess, yeah. I mean, the whole point of all this truly is, is don't write yourself into a corner. And I will say the, the FAA right now, it is, it, it's a slow, it's a slow evolution and it is a slow change. 
but they are slowly working where it's more, you know, it's, it's, it's not as punitive. It's not as, I guess, draconian, I guess you would say. I mean, there's still things that are happening, but if your inspector is saying something that you, that isn't right, that it doesn't fall in regulations, that this just is his interpretation. And because he likes seeing box B checked with this stupid thing that really has nothing to do, go over his head. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep. I don't have no time for that. Go over his head, find what fits, what makes sure that you're in compliance, simplify it, go find that level. And if you can't find it, I mean, you know, Nathan and I are both on the maintenance committee, come to the committee and we'll find somebody for you. I'll yep. call. I've, I'm not even, I'm not even in maintenance and I've made more inspectors mad than you can imagine. Yeah. And if, yep. if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, then uh, send your resume to MRO Insider and we'll find a job Friday. Find a job Friday and you'll be helping you out. But no, but, I mean, it's I mean, true though. Don't, I mean, you're don't right get on it. stuck. Yeah, and our association has, that's a great point, you know, I, gosh, they, they've struggled right now, just like everybody else, but they've done such a good job on these news hours and stuff through this whole COVID thing. But um, I, I will tell you, the advocacy piece of what the association can do for you, um, yeah, just never hesitate to reach out because, you know, there's, there's lawyers, there's a whole committee of lawyers. Um, I, you know, as as Lee said, you know, I got to chair the maintenance committee for a while and I got pulled in once with a couple of the folks from the lawyer committee to help an operator who had um, uh, his principal inspector, Part 91 operator, principal inspector told him that he was going to issue a violation because he was using electronic signature and record keeping it. And, and no, you can't do that. We don't need your permission. Right. We we don't have to get your blessing as a ninety one operator. No. We need to we need to meet the intent of the rules and it's advisable to meet the guidance in one twenty seventy eight A, but it's not a requirement. Right. Um, and you know, anyway, it was just really but we were able to quickly help that particular operator. Mm -hmm. It was a you know, a, a one person flight department. Um, and we were able to quickly help that gentleman out. And then we had another um, thing from an advocacy standpoint where um, a large flight department on the West Coast was told by their um, principal inspector, the same topic, that um, he would not entertain any policies for a, this Part 91 department to um, move to electronic uh, record keeping system, told them that, you know, if they did it, that um, they would be in violation. And it's just, you know, it's just sad. It's just not true. So lots of education can happen. And, and in that case too, you know, a couple phone calls and letters were written and we connected them with some people that we'd been working with in DC on the very topic. And mm -hmm. overnight the problem's gone away. And in fact, uh, in that last case, we didn't hear from that uh, principal inspector again. So I, I well, think you're right. Yeah. I, I think you just got to keep asking questions, right? Right. You ask the why. I mean, why? And like you said earlier, Nathan, show me where that says that in the regs. Yeah, just teach me. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Teach wait a minute. Me. I'm a 91. Yeah. I'm not 135. I'm not a 121. Right, right, what do you mean? Oh, right. 91. Well, oh, look right here. Uh -huh. I mean, I show this to you as a courtesy because this is something that, you know, I want to maintain a good, good relationship with my inspector. I want to make sure you know what's going on because if you do need to come in, this is how we do it. But this is a courtesy. This is not yep. a requirement.
And, you know, and we're talking yep. about NBAA, but, you know, you can go to AEA or ARSA and, you know, their advocacy groups are just, you know, they'll, they'll assist as well. But I mean, don't, yeah, right don't on. let the lowest, the lowest rung on the ladder stop you when it's something that you know that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that way. And, they're, mm-hmm. and they are evolving and changing right now. And they're having to evolve and change. In a lot of cases, you know, when you're going to like electronic, electronic record keeping or even electronic submissions of your, of your manuals, of training records, anything along those lines, they're having to adapt because they don't have the same people and resources either. That's and they're required. Right. They are required to start doing this. So if you can keep your, your operations, now you can operate at this level and you can come. You can operate at a high level and comply at this level. Don't ever think that they're one or the same. Even though when I was working at a 147 school, we did get fined because they, um, we taught at too high of a level. Interesting. Taught yep. at a level three instead of a level two, even though actually it was a level two. Our, our guy was just a whole lot smarter than the inspector. He just didn't realize that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, but, but those are the things don't, you can operate at a high level, comply at your le- this level, operate at that level. They're two different things, but don't back yourself into a corner with your compliance and then get to a point where you cannot adjust and evolve with what's going on around you. Yeah, right on. I like it. Obviously, this is one of my soapboxes. It drives me nuts. <laughs> you, you don't say. It's a good thing I don't know more about the regulations. Otherwise, it'd be a really big soapbox. Yeah. You well, sound like but, you're a governor here in Michigan, but you're talking about regulations instead of <laughs> COVID. Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, I think you're right, though, Liam. And I think what's interesting about what you just said is such a, uh, an over, maybe an overshadow, even in this conversation, an overshadow point. Sometimes people know so much about the, the regulations and so much about the rules and and, and so I've got a friend who's a, a field service representative for Gulfstream and one of the smartest maintenance people I know. And if you call him with a problem, he wants to drive, dive right into the level that's inside the circuit board, inside the box, inside the airplane. And I'm back here and just, is it on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, is Did it you reboot? To do that? <laughs> Yeah, is it supposed to do that? And and you know, I'm not down here already at this the circuit board level. And I will tell you that that I think to your point on this regulation thing, sometimes folks are so in it they can't see out of it, right? And they right. can't just zoom out and say, wait a minute, does this pass the sniff check? Right? I don't know if this is right. Well, and just because the regul and just because we live in such a re- highly regulated regulated environment. We live, we breathe, we work in this highly regulated environment. Doesn't mean that everything that supports that highly regulated environment has to be that same complexity. Right. It, does, it right. doesn't have to be. Keep, keep, keep simple what you can, you know, automate what you can, do what you can. So that way you, if you have to spend your energy on the compliance side of it, you do it. But that's because you've got everything else so streamlined and working so efficiently that you can dedicate your time just because the FAA is cumbersome does not mean that your operation has to be cumbersome at all it doesn't mean that and they actually would appreciate it if you weren't as cumbersome like I mean you know they don't even talk to each other they're getting better but I mean there's lots of instances where they did I had the FAA call me about setting up a 147 school how do you set up a maintenance school 
I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> is this a joke? Are you, are you, are you yeah. checking with me? I mean, you're even in Oklahoma City. I don't even know what to, I don't even know how to answer that. Well, you go to part 147. <laughs> That's restart. I don't know. <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Um, but I mean, but I mean, that just because, the, just because of somebody else not acting efficiently, don't let that, don't let that be how you set up your program and your operation and your culture yeah yeah to match something that's that's in, in a lot of ways antiquated and old and cumbersome don't you don't have to do it that way just so take a deep breath step back and think about it if you could do it better how would you do it and still comply with the regulation right right and Andy, I mean, when we were talking earlier about like, you know, even like transparency and doing different things, you know, I mean, I'm big on automation. I, you know, I'm single source of truth, finding your data, pulling things out, doing different things. So that way you, you know, you're, you don't have that redundancy. You're not looking in five different places because it, you know, it has part E on this page in this cabinet. If you go to the office downtown, it has part D. So I have to go get part D over there, part E over there, and, you know, even looking for Maybe you have a major inspection, something along those lines. What is the most transparent and effective way that you can get that to somebody to get a quote rather than, you know, piecing these little things together, putting it because then you introduce errors, you've made it overly complicated. And now, and now, now you're having to, now you have a communication issue with whoever you're trying to get a quote from. Right. So how, you know, different things, why would you complicate something that you don't have to? And then, it, then have the opportunity to introduce errors. And then, you know, in this case, introducing errors could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and six months. Let's not even add the downtime to that. Yeah, it's very true. It's, uh, it's interesting. And I think, you know, a lot of the regulations, too, are to, to be compliant. I think, like you said, they're, they're getting better. But, you know, there's programs that uh, are coming out, like, the flight docs platform and things like that, that it's going to speed things up and cut out certain things. And it's just going to make everything more efficient. So yeah, but you know, start to do that. What, what we got to be careful of though, back to don't make it complicated. So I'm going to pick on Gulfstream again. You know, they added corridor years ago to CMP and said, Hey, we're going to go paperless in the hangar. So we went from having three binders on the high boy, which is the, the, you know, the desk out in the hangar during a maintenance event to six. And so the, the team lead and SCM's job just like tripled. I mean, we mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't remove any layers. We just added a whole bunch of layers. Right? And that's exactly and right. Gulfstream's not alone. A bunch of shops did the same thing. Well, just about every shop did, Nathan. I mean, every, anything, yeah. you know, you go into any type of environment, and the the amount of binders, it just like, I mean, and I love libraries and I love paper books, but I go into places that, you know, and I'm like, how do you find anything? And then what <laughs> mm-hmm. happens when Mary retires? Right. When you yeah. can't ask Mary where anything is anymore, because Mary was the one who kept track of this and kept y'all all in line for all these years. Yeah, Mary just cashed in her 401k. She's living in Tahiti. Sorry. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, and it's like, and now you're just stuck because you have something that's so cumbersome. And then also that process, Mary had it down to an art. Well, it wasn't hard. Mary did it in 10 minutes. Yeah. Cause Mary knew how to do it. But now you go back and look at it and you're like, Oh, we could have done that in five minutes ourselves. If we had just done this, this, or this, and it would have been just as, and then we would have been able to find it. Yeah. Well, you'd have to, <clears throat> you'd have to bring Mary back as a consultant. 
probably exactly that's, bring that's gonna back cost you that's gonna cost you a couple hundred grand a year <laughs> bring her back but yep and fly her back and forth from tahiti from where she's it, exactly exactly i Can't if i was married i wouldn't come back just for that i'm, I'm sorry right. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back, take a hard look at what you're doing and see what the value added is on the process and make sure that the value add is actually a compliance. Is it compliance? And sometimes maybe it doesn't need to be, maybe it is a value add, but does it need to go into the approved manual or does it just need to go in how you operate? Because I mean, to me, those are two different things because you know, you can have what we do and how we comply. I mean, there, sometimes it's a fine line, but that doesn't, I mean, if you, you know, here's my minimum is what I have approved. This is my minimum that I'm going to make sure I meet. I'm going to set my bar above that for how we operate, but here's my minimum on how we're going to meet, meet that requirement. And so, I mean, you can, to give you a little bit of that wiggle room so that way you can make your manual easy to revise, just like it said, mm -hmm. easy to revise, should be easy to revise. Yep. Yep. yep and that's, yep. And that doesn't mean light out. Right. Well, no, you know, in aviation, if you're flying a plane, you know, they say, uh, are you current or are you proficient? And those are the two categories. Oh, current yeah. Legal. Proficient means that you are good at it and you can do it well. So, I mean, it's, yeah. the same, it's the same thing. You know, current means that you're legal. So here's all your crap. Proficient. Yeah, you can have a way higher standard, like you said, Lee, mm -hmm. and uh, up your game there. But. Yeah, but I think that that's, you know, those are just things to think about as you're going through. And when you're setting the culture, you're setting the tone. And I mean, right now, if you have some downtime and you're looking at it, you know, maybe you have some downtime just to kind of evaluate what your processes are. Maybe you have some, maybe now you're having to restructure a little bit because of workforce issues. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you don't have as many people working, whether you're in a, you know, whether you're in a maintenance shop or whether you're in an operator, 135, 91, whatever it is you know, maybe there's some different things you need to look at. Maybe now's the time to sit there and ask your people, okay, this is what we have to do to comply. What mm -hmm. do you actually do? How hard, it, what is the process? Is this easy to comply with? Do you take shortcuts? Right. Well, yeah, I take shortcuts because, I mean, I'm wanting to redo our manual because I want to make sure that it actually flows with what we're doing as long as we're not cutting on safety, you right. know? Right and bring your people in to kind of look and do what it is, but, but don't get hung up on it's in the regulations because it mm -hmm. may not be check the regulation mm -hmm. to make sure it actually is. Right. 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 And if you need to ask somebody, if you have, you're not really sure about the interpretation, ask, you probably get five different answers, but you know, <laughs> take yep. majority. I don't know, yeah, but see what it average. says in the way. Yeah. Take the average. You're good. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, there's some things that are just pure black and white in stone, right? And then there's mm -hmm. other stuff, like you said, we've got to, we've got, we've got to, you know, interpret. And then when they're not right, and when they don't fit where we're at today, because we do have rules that were written in the 30s and 40s, right, that we're mm -hmm. trying to operate by, then change them. Be a part of the change. Don't be affected by the change. Be the change, right? So. Yep. Um, and we have ways to do that. that. Yeah. We have yeah, ways we, to do that. And, we, and we've right been now, very successful. Exactly. That's what I was about to say, Nathan. And right now, you know, they're they're open to this change. We are in a mm -hmm. we are in an environment right now. Now it may not happen overnight simply because of the stupid rules they have in place to implement a change, but at the same time, they're doing things right now that are unprecedented. 
I mean, the, some of the ways that, you know, some of the relief they're giving, different things they're doing, how they're able to react. Now, I did have a friend tell me one time, he said, he's talking about the FAA and their ability to react. He said, do you really want them to react that fast? Because once it's a law, it's a law. Once it's in the regs, it's in the regs. And it's right. really hard to get out. I can't remember what right. the example he gave was. It was something that started back in the mid-90s. I think it finally died in the mid-2000s. And he goes, what if that had actually made it? And you're like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't have been good. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there has to be something in there for course correction. Agreed. Agreed. So what else you guys think about all this? You think we pretty much nailed it? I think it's enough to think about. Yeah. yeah. So we've gotten some good feedback on some of our other episodes. So I would say that, you know, we've, we've pretty much covered it. Just don't make it hard. Doesn't have to be hard. Just like podcasting. I mean, exactly. <laughs> just do it. don't make it hard. Just freaking do it. But anyway, um, in all seriousness, we've gotten some really good feedback from some folks um, have reached out and emailed on our last couple episodes. We really appreciate that. Um, we'd like to hear y'all's feedback on how to uh, not make uh, compliance complicated or, or maybe some of the war stories you have or experiences. You can leave us a voicemail on anchor.fm forward slash jet hyphen blast, or you can just email us, any of the three of us, and, and y'all know how to find us on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way you can DM us. And, um, we'll get back to you and, and we may include it in a, like a part two or, or, or a reboot of this topic somewhere down the road. But I, th I think there's a lot to think about. Um, any parting words before we go guys? I, uh, yeah, I'd like to just say that uh, next week we are going to be doing the AOG episode, right? And how that's going to change. Yep. Yep, My friend sure. Paul Witt is going to be on. So he is very awesome. excited and he'll be our first, uh, we had Perry on, but she doesn't really count because she's, she's oh, she ouch. counts. Ouch! Well, you know what I mean. This will be like our first uh, outside interview type of a thing where uh, I'm kind of nervous. So that'll be cool yeah. if anybody wants to learn about the AOG scene and how that's going to be changing. Then uh, tune in for that. Yeah. yeah hopefully, a lot he of won't, uh, hopefully he won't just click leave meeting <laughs> and leave us right. hanging. But anyway, he may. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's going to be a great episode. We look forward to it. Lee, you got any final parting words for us? I think my, my, I think I've said it multiple times. It's just like, make sure what you're doing is actually about compliance and not just because yeah. you're somebody told you that that's what you need to do. Read the regs, understand the regs. And if it doesn't make sense, ask somebody, but don't overburden yourself just because that's how it's always been done. Amen. Amen. Like, All right, guys. Thanks, everyone. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See ya.